The Bite Goes On is up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson, and this week on the Destination Eat Drink podcast, we tried the ice cream of Buenos Aires, stinky feet cheese from the Czech Republic, and wine from Uruguay with Mark Walter of Walter's World. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, right, welcome to the Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey, Sandra Bernstein. How's it going? Hey, you, Brian. You you actually have a, a restaurant again, I think. Um, I don't know if I can even call it that. I don't know what it is. It's um, but yes, we got open last week, and um, it's different. Everything looks different. I can tell you that. Yeah. But um, I'm excited. We've got Lauren Kotner on today from Delicious Dish, who um, has had a business in San Francisco and probably dealing with a lot of the tech companies and all sorts. And um, can't wait to hear your story because you're a local Sonoma person. Um, So welcome. Thank you. Nice to be on. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. I know everybody is so busy right now, except for Brian. Well, and I love how she actually had, like, had to take her apron off to sit down and talk to us. So you know she's actually yeah. working. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> yeah. love it. I love the tour that we kind of got a, a semi-tour as you were walking to wherever you're sitting right, right now. Yeah, like right. people older. Yeah. Yeah, so, Lauren, I've been off for, for almost four months. I work at the Fairmont down the road. Oh, do you know Erin uh, Brumley? Yeah. Yes. He worked there for over 10 years. I Are have you related? Him. I'm not related. He, um, I've known Aaron for 25 years, and he just started cooking for us actually before the shutdown. Um, okay. He himself to make a move. Um, and we have one more uh, young cook that came out of the Fairmont. Uh, they are well-trained, and it's a change for them to not be in a corporate environment like that. They love the Fairmont. <laughs> yeah. But they're happy to be doing something new and fresh and have a new adventure. Yeah. So, so tell everybody what your what delicious dish is, so we can have a play, a platform to start from. So I started Delicious Dish twelve years ago in San Francisco out of my home kitchen. At the time, I was a private chef for a family that was in San Francisco that moved to Hillsboro, and they had I was private chef and a nanny, and they had people that I would cater their dinners from. They would fly me to Wisconsin, Greenwich, Connecticut, San Diego. Wow. Uh, island off the coast of Miami to cook for them with them and when they moved down to Hillsboro they didn't really need me to be in the house anymore but they knew that I was interested in starting my own business so they had uh, friends that they introduced me to and had a party that I was able to start my dinner delivery service with so we started our business um, with 20 clients that we delivered food in their house two days a week Mondays and Thursdays we had keys to their home. We would bring it in, drop it in their fridge and leave. We did it in Pyrex. Um, we started with pallets of Pyrex being dropped off the garage in San Francisco. It was totally under the radar at first. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Which is not anything that I would ever do again, but that's how you start, right? Yeah. So then we started getting some phone calls uh, for photo shoots, things like Williams Sonoma Pottery Barn, where it's breakfast and lunch for a shoot. And then little by little, some calls trickled in by small tech companies. A small company that was 45 people called Dropbox called us and heard that we were in shoots. And we went, went with Dropbox when they were 45 people and saw them grow to 450 until they got their own kitchen. We got a call from a small company called Yammer that was 75 people. And we um, started with them at 75 and saw them grow to 550, back down to 450. And they were bought out by Microsoft, and we've been with Microsoft for nine years now total. Wow. Picked up other clients. We did Glassdoor for three years, um, Quantcast, Zillow, Skype, and da- all the way down in Palo Alto, the list goes on. So as we grew with these companies, our, um, our needs grew, and we were sharing a kitchen space in San Francisco. Um, I got married. I had a baby, and six weeks later, I decided to return to my home in Sonoma. So we moved the business up. 
and um, did it here. I went to the kitchen where Wild Time Catering was on Railroad that's now Harvey's Donuts. And we just kept building and adding and building and adding until this place where Carrie Sports Grill, and I knew it as Rob's Rib Shack, it opened right. so here. We did a, a bunch of little piecemeal things to the building to try and paste it together to fit our catering needs. And for four or five years, we did 500 to 1,000 lunches a day out of this location and trucked it down with staff and servers to Palo Alto, San Francisco, Marin County, all over the place. Wow. Um, at our height, we had about 16, 18 employees, vans, the whole shebang. Um, some of those contracts kind of paced out financially because if you've been with the company for many years, you get a standard corporate raise and that got outpaced by the cost of doing business. As the tech companies grew and it got more expensive in the Bay Area to live, all of the prices of doing business went up, but the pace of our pay did not. So some of those contracts we let expire and I have a now almost, she'll be nine on 4th of July and that pace of working uh, just kind of exceeded where I wanted to take that. So as we were kind of growing and shifting, we decided to see what we could do with the business and the building space um, and owning a restaurant is much, much harder and much more risky than a corporate client. Um, although now what's happening is um, with the COVID, we don't have our corporate clients anymore because they are not having employees go into the building. Right. Counting my blessings that we got the ball rolling when we did because I don't think those are coming back. So here we are, flash forward. We um, have been adding on to the back space. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, the interior space we have set up so people can move through there in one direction to go to the patio. Uh, we don't plan to open our inside, which doesn't really matter because we only have, you know, 10, 15 seats in here and see where it goes. Um, people say, oh, your dinner business must be going gangbusters because uh, that's all you do is take out. Um, and it, and it did for a time being until everybody else, you know, kind of caught up and started changing their business models to do takeout. Mm -hmm. um, and now that restaurants are opening back up it's kind of tapered off a little bit and is a little bit closer to what we usually see during the summer lunch business for takeout um is growing and i anticipate it doing better once we open the patio um you know people ask us how we're doing financially just as i walked out they said you how are you doing like this and i said well uh you know keep in mind we've lost all of our corporate clients all of our winery contracts and all of our catering for the summer, which we don't do a booming catering business, but it certainly helps get us through that slow winter. Yeah, right. So here we are, we're thrilled to open. We're so excited. I feel like what we opened before was a soft, soft opening. And now we're gonna have a hard opening mixed with all of the new procedures, mm -hmm. uh, which because we never closed, it's not gonna be a crash landing because we've had to adapt to all the change in the first place. So I think we're there, but we're doing all the things restaurants do, like hiring staff, training them, and all of that. So we will see. We hope, we hope the uh, reception is kind to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, I think it will be. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you are going from where you are, you've been cooking one dish with probably vegetarian or vegan also yeah. option yeah. and now you're going to be presenting a whole menu or the same kind of thing so uh we started the dinner delivery piggybacking off of the menu that we were serving for the corporate buffet every day so we were cherry picking some items that we knew would be more um you know family friendly for here um now we just go with some best sellers we have a format, you know, an Asian day, a barbecue day, a home style day, a salad day, et cetera. So we're still doing that and changing the menu every day for dinner. For lunches, we have had the same format every week for the last six months, which is a fried chicken sandwich, a banh mi, um, some kind of a hot sandwich like a hot dog or a meatball sub, a few salads, a vegan option, and we, during the winter soups. Um, we've picked some best sellers from there. So we'll have... Um, we have the happiest meal, which is a mission style 
bacon wrapped hot dog with grilled onions and jalapenos. We oh serve it with <laughs> yeah. we serve it with a bag of chips and a tecate out the door or for here. Um, we're doing two fried chicken sandwiches um, with Meyer lemon mayo, heirloom tomato, lettuce and pickles, and then another that is um, avocado, a poblano relish, buttermilk ranch, and pickled onions. We're doing two gyros, which are I'm Greek. It's close to my heart. I love those. Yes. yes. So we're doing, we do a vegan one with uh, green olives, pine nuts, and a green harissa and falafel. And then a chicken with um, oranges, pea sprouts, and ricotta salada and fennel. Yum. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Vietnamese sandwiches. We're doing a, a Hanoi grilled uh, sous vide flank steak with pickled shallots and snap peas and a Maggie mayo. And then another, which is sriracha aioli chicken fried spice um, and a pickled daikon and carrot. Mm, yeah. Sticking with some classics for salads. Um, we found people still love a Chinese chicken salad, a louis, and a vegan tofu bowl. Mm -hmm. um, okay. We got a Strauss. I was gonna say for those, for those listeners out there that are just salivating right now, right. you can <laughs> go to Instagram and go to at delicious dish SF. <clears throat> Excuse me, delicious dish SF. And you can actually look at pictures of some of the food that she's talking about. It looks actually, amazing. The best picture that's up there right now is our crab melts. We have Dungeness crab melts on a bridge with a cheddar slice and heirloom tomato and shredded lettuce, and we serve them with Utz's crab chips. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at yeah. it. <laughs> we got a soft serve machine, which has been a thing of nightmares. It's what Xanax is created for. <laughs> Wait a minute, what does that mean? Oh, my God. I was I had nightmares about assembling and taking apart the soft serve machine. People just said it's just horrendous. It actually wasn't that bad. I'm, I'm more uh, savvy than I thought that I would be uh, mechanically. Um, so we have the Strauss soft serve and we're serving it with a uh, dark chocolate and then we have a salted caramel and caramel corn and then a walnut, a maple walnut that we put on there. So and then um, we soft serve on a cone or in a cup? Both. Both, okay, nice. And we're doing some floats, including um, we're getting um, sweet scoops, salted caramel ice cream, and we're pouring a Guinness over it. So we're doing oh Guinness. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So on, I, I just have a question just because it's my nature to ask. But um, how do you know on your dinners how much to make? How many orders to make? Because... So we so we send out our, our email on, we put an ad on the, in the IT. It comes out on Fridays. That's a, a hit or miss, but there are people that are reminded to order and there are people right. that don't, you know, on Instagram, they're not going to look at the email. But we have a list of 2,600 people and we send it out every Sunday and I can see how many people have ordered. The orders come in on Sundays. They know that if there's something they want to see, they should probably order it in advance because we have sellouts. So okay. when I... Yeah, numbers come up today by about 11 o'clock in the morning. I know how many approximately are going to order beyond that. Uh, for ordering food, I just know how much we've yeah. been selling of a certain item. Um, and then we either have a few at the end of the day to sell or we're completely sold out by a certain time. We also have our biggest day is fried chicken. People cannot get enough of fried chicken. And Isn't it crazy? It's absolutely crazy because you can get it absolutely everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> but honestly, there was a day that we did fried chicken and I was referring people to you, people to try tips. I'm like, you, can get <laughs> you can't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, everybody has their opinion on how fried chicken should be made too. So Exactly. And I don't even get into that conversation with the chefs because, of course, you know, they think ours is the best and you know, I'm, I'm not one to argue there. I don't want to get in trouble with my guys, no. but, um, <laughs> wait, but people, I, it's interesting because I think during the pandemic, it was such a comfort for people to want to have fried chicken. For sure. Yeah. I couldn't believe we did the very first pickup we did at Sweet D on the Friday, Fried Chicken Friday, we we had so many orders. There was just a line the whole time. It was like, yeah, wow. 
fried chicken day, we have sold out every night. Like you said, it's summertime, it's hot, people are getting out of their houses, they might not be into it, mm -hmm. but we have a capacity of 35 larges and 120 smalls. That's 300 people's, 380 people's worth of fried chicken. So we are frying 900 pieces of chicken and getting it out wow. in three. It's insane. It's wow. insane. Do you guys have but one of those those fryers where you put it down and it, it it's almost like yeah. a like a pressure cooker with oil? Like Lucky's does. They yeah. Have no, we don't have that. We do it old school in Rondos. Oh wow. Oh, in a Rondo. Do them in Rondos. Oh my God, we're doing it in our fry basket. Yeah, our fry basket's smaller than your fry basket, probably though. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I think that's how they're doing it. It's been a while since I've yeah. watched that. But um, so, are you other than the fact that the world is upside down? Um, are you happy with your business? I mean, you're glad you moved back from the city. Um, I I am. I have to tell you, we had so many great years doing corporate catering and I would not have any financial means to make a switch like this were it not for that mm -hmm. but you know I used to wake up at 3 30 in the morning and be at work by 4 a.m for years and I never got used to that schedule but I would drive by the 7-eleven and I would see the lottery numbers and even though I never play <laughs> I would run the numbers in my head and go all right well if it's this much after taxes and I would think about what I would do with it I will tell you after switching and having a new project, I don't look at those numbers anymore. So I'm much less stressed. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we are actively investing in our business and actively losing chunks of money right now until we figure this all out. And as you know, um, sometimes we look at the numbers on the long term, even before this happened, and we go, you know, I love the restaurant industry and I'm scrappy and I can make it work. But at a certain point, it's still a business. And how long is it going to be financially viable to do this? Because yeah. when you talk about margins, those margins really are 6%. And oh. so if you're a million dollars worth of revenue in a year, you're making $60,000. So for me to be able to live off of that, that means I'm doing a lion's share of the work myself. Right. I mean, I had a photo shoot yesterday. And at the end of the photo shoot, I'm in the kitchen doing the dishes. So, and I, we all know what that feels like. I've, I've talked to uh, Claudia about John, you know, sitting there doing dishes after events. It just is how it is. Um, I don't think any of us are just sitting pretty watching everybody do all the work around them. Yeah. It's, I love it. And I, I have all of my life invested in this business and I don't have a job anywhere else. So we're <laughs> one foot in front of the other until we figure it out. And it's, yeah. I might be in La La Land, but we'll, we'll see what happens in the next few months. Yeah. You, but you have a lot of regulars also, people that order with you every week. They do, for sure. Yeah. We have people um, that are families. We have people that are, have cooked all their life and they're finished cooking. Mm -hmm. And they two or three times a week and have since we opened up for dinners. Oh. We are, a, we try to stay a value. It's kind of the magic is the formula of it. Um, that's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah. When you have chicken prices that went up two and a half percent and beef prices that tripled, it makes it really hard. We also have things that we try to do, like we really try to watch our packaging and not use plastics as much as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, our cost of our packaging is about $4,500 a month. It is 10 times more expensive than plastic. And I'm, Amazing. I hope, I hope that as it's that single use plastic goes out the window, that more businesses are required to use it maybe, and that the price will go down, maybe. Maybe. But it's pretty difficult to keep up with that, but it's something that we care about. We also um, care about giving back to the community. We do a lot of dine-in donates, which also helps get the word out about us. Yeah, for sure. And then in the future, we've got some plans for the patio. So right now we're only open for lunch seven days a week. We do our dinners Monday through Thursday, but we'd like to start incorporating some pop-ups. So we built a, a sideways wood wall, and we have a projector that we're putting up, and we're going to do dinner and movies. I can't, and I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but I can't do any even small events back there, even if I sat at everybody at different tables. I don't, I mean, can you do small events? Um, you, yeah, what's the cutoff? It, what's the number? Because this was supposed, like at 1.15, I was supposed to go on a call with Senator McGuire to talk about events and what's happening. So I'm like, no, Andrea, you do it. But, um, 
you can do something that's socially distanced that is you, you could definitely do that as long as you're keeping people socially distanced i wouldn't necessarily might not want to call it an event right exactly so here's what our plan was if we do a dinner and a movie you know i can't have an event necessarily but i can reserve my own tables yeah. so yeah. if we special seat we did two seatings a night a six and an eight and i have you know eight four tops and one two top we can reserve those out do a prefix with a bottle of wine mm -hmm. have a and do it that way so we're, we have plans to do that this summer but and it's, then it's too light out at eight i know i'm gonna see how that works because it's not it's more of a have you ever been to foreign cinema in san francisco oh yeah i love it we used to do it at sweet d yeah so it's foreign so cinema fun. so it's darker but it is still ambient yes. so i have it out and see what's happening because it might be more of a, a late fall thing where it's still right. a little bit so we'll see about that the wait lauren what what kind of movies do do you have a list of movies you want to show you know i'm kind of a cult classic kind of a gal yeah so we'll take a look at that and see what we can put out there wait um, so what does that mean like um like uh rocky horror kind of stuff or you mean yeah, those lines i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it under wraps and see what we can Okay. <laughs> oh. yeah, and I don't know like all the things like we just did it like I mean also like noodle spring I would put up um kung fu panda <laughs> because it was just the kids would come and yeah. they would like it but yeah. I would just like rent it on Netflix and and put it out there I don't think you're really allowed to do that we have a but, we have we have a blanket license for the year and it costs like six hundred and seventy dollars oh to get the right but for the year for the year okay and then you get to pick they have a big library yeah that's cool uh, so then back when i was first starting in san francisco i worked with anthony mayant who did mission street food and then went on to help danny bowen with mission chinese food mm -hmm. and it was when they moved from the food truck to uh the chinese food restaurant at 18th and mission and I got to do a night there and I loved it. It was so fun. And what I really liked about that, aside from the fact that um, they were charitable, that was important, but I love the idea of pulling chefs to have them do their own night that's outside of the box of what they usually do. I think it's a great opportunity to bring somebody into my restaurant, but also uh, highlight what other people like to do. I don't have that much ego about what we do. I do believe food is food, so I don't somebody else using the space. Uh, one of our cooks does some pretty famous pozole here in town. I've offered her to do a night. She's on the fence. Um, but uh, I, we have a young chef that came out of the Fairmont who's 21 and he's got some ideas up his sleeve. So the idea would be that they would come in, they would promote it themselves on their social media. I'd promote it in our outlets. They'd pick a menu. We would probably supplement, bring in some staff, and then um, there'd be some overhead coverage. And then they'd they'd walk with their cash with the idea that they would pick a donation and then donation a portion of the proceeds. Mm -hmm. So we something along those lines here too, and just use the space. While my daughter Maisie is still young, um, I'd like to see her some hours of the day. Yeah. So <laughs> open for dinner all of the time, anytime soon. There's plenty of time in life to do that. Uh, so let's just, I'm trying to keep our heads over water, come up with some fun ideas try and offer something that is for locals and if if somebody drives by and they want to come in that's great and see if we can make it in a few months yeah how did you pick your daughter's name she would kill me but she um i had a dinner delivery client in hillsboro and her dog she was british and her dog was named Maisie. <laughs> <laughs> okay i and thought then, it was after uh, Maisie star the singer uh -huh. no. but it's, it's adorable name yeah Joe is her middle name, which she hates because she thinks it sounds too country, Maisie Joe. But my <laughs> my in-laws are from St. Louis and they uh they kept asking me, What are you naming what are you naming your daughter? What are you naming her? And I wouldn't tell them because somebody always always has some bad memory of some girl they once knew. So I kept it under wraps and my mother-in-law sent me an email and says, What are you naming her? And I said, We are naming her Prius Taliban Cotner. Oh <laughs> Never asked. I love it. I love it. Now, where did you meet your husband? 
I met my husband at a bar called the 500 Club in the Mission District where most reputable people meet their spouses. <laughs> Is that it's, true? It's an old punk dive bar in the Mission and he walked in and I was there. Okay. And that's sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and what? He hit it off immediately. He's, uh, he's lived all over the country. He has never lived in a small town. He has only lived in big cities. Um, New York, Baltimore, um, Austin, Dallas. Um, and he actually has a law degree from SMU. I'm here. Oh, so he has his law degree. So when I met him, he was working at UC Hastings and he has a restaurant background because like anybody that goes to law school, he had to work his way through. Right. So he has a culinary background as well. So he was working at Hastings and the law library and okay. I was business and eventually he left and we worked together. And we just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. It has been hard without some hard times. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So wait, did I, I, I just had to step away for a sec. I missed it. Were, were you working at restaurants in San Francisco for a while? No, I have, no. A, I have worked in some restaurants. I am self-taught uh, cooking. I've worked in a handful of small restaurants many, many years ago. I did some catering prep moonlighting um, but my mac my background is in marketing i worked in market research for a couple couple of focus group companies in san francisco and then i got a job at the san francisco bay guardian in 2001 and i did um sales and marketing for events and classifieds uh, so help set up bars and clubs and restaurants and put up the signage and you know if there was any shows at music venues you know if you're bringing the alcohol representative in um to do the do the events and promote the paper because mm -hmm. where where were you working as a teenager while you were going to uh, high school um i was a nanny and i worked at uh pacific union real estate on the weekends as uh, a receptionist okay. and i did not work in restaurants the first job I ever worked cooking is when I was 17 and I graduated high school, I'd saved money and we went to, I went to Europe and I was there for a short amount of time. And I stayed a little longer because I, um, worked in, uh, hostels and grocery shop for food and cooked food at the hostels at night. And I worked for one hostel that was in, uh, Prague, Vienna and Budapest, took the train back and forth to go work for them. Um, and kind of lied my way through it. And when I came back to Sonoma, I maybe had fibbed to a couple of restaurants here that I had more experience. <laughs> and my mom always told me, uh, fake it till you make it. So right. I did it. Can you see how Sonoma has changed so much? I mean, yeah. does it, is it, has it changed? You know, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to be 44 in a couple of days. And so that means that I've been around in Sonoma since you know, 1979. I'm a little bit too young for all of the people that remember, you know, jumping off the rope swing on Verano and that are still lamenting it. And I, I get that, but I grew up as a child of the, the 80s. You know, I'm 10 years old in 1986. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was always a, a wine tourist town for me. I mean, those were back in the day when Don Sanchez from Channel 7 would come down and they had a big to-do for the Vintage Festival. And that was oh. bigger is now. used to come visit me all the time yeah yeah i mean so i grew up with it being wine tourist town and for me that hasn't changed mm. um you know who comes to wine tasting has changed a bit with the tech industries you know i see girls that are wearing kind of rayon club dresses and <laughs> you know, leather platform heels and i'm like what are you wearing to go wine tasting you know you're gonna those heels are gonna sink in the mud <laughs> So that has changed a little bit. I do think that, uh, you know, because Sonoma, I don't think has changed enough a little bit. Mm -hmm. I know that that's always going to be some trouble because there's people that want it to be exactly how they remember it. And they've already say that it's changed a lot. But I feel like um, if we're going to try and preserve a little bit of tourism, we need to let a couple new ideas slip by every once in a while. Yeah. Otherwise, it might just kind of be a one and done. And right. that is getting younger and younger and the people that came here in the 80s might be 80 now right 
So if we don't start getting some people, and that doesn't necessarily mean pander to millennials, but unless we get a couple new little things every once in a while, they've been. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still hear people talk about, oh, I remember when the feed store was on the plaza. Where the red grape is. Yeah, their eggs benedict was amazing. Yeah. But you know, that was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 90s. Yeah. yeah. The um so what are you like it, during the pandemic right now? What are you the most nervous about? I mean, or are you? Um I am not too nervous for my own self and my family because we're very careful about masks and washing hands and sanitizing and spray and everything. Uh we do the same practices at work. I mean, when when people were worried about practices at restaurants, I said, we are always carrying around bleach and spraying and we do it even more now. I'm not panicked about that. I, I want to see my mom at some point who lives in Florida and she is compromised. It's going to be a while. I think that we're in the long haul for this. Um, I wish it was not so politicized and that people would get on the same page uh, because it's going to be a long time. So what I worry about in the long haul for my business is that it's going to keep opening and shutting because we're not having any movement on the down, the down. Yeah. I think it's just going to keep going when people are talking about phase one, phase two, phase three of, or the, the, uh, not the phases, the but surge, the, the surges, the surges. I were, I mean, I've been told by doctors in the area that we're not, we might not see two and three because we're just hitting like wildfire. So I had a, I went to um, a restructuring meeting at my daughter's school and there was a doctor there and he just said, unfortunately, I think we're all going to get it. And he has his ideas about, you know, if we get some kind of a vaccine, it'll be about as effective as a flu shot. And the people that are going to have to shelter in place are going to still have to shelter in place mm -hmm. for a long time herd immunity might be three or four years and i don't know if our industry can sus sustain it i don't know either especially yeah. before this happened you know we're talking about um tip credits we're talking about the antiquated system of tips yeah. and people don't like them in the first place we're talking about um uh, people that feel like they're not getting a living wage uh, versus the restaurants that feel like i can't charge 50 dollars a plate um, it's a strange industry to be in because we're all kind of holding on to our hats and glasses all the time every day. Right. So I don't know much like, uh, you know, music venues and are close to my heart and they're, they're going away and they have been for a long time simply because people don't see as much live music and it's too expensive for them to remain. So what happens when live music venues go away? We don't have very much live music. We don't have the arts. What happens when small restaurants go away or you know it's fine that panda express is going in but it might just be panda expresses right right yeah i um you know i look at it so many different ways i mean you know we're at a third capacity right now when we opened on wednesday this past wednesday we got nine tables out of like 24 sure. on the patio well, and you're, uh, you're not using your bar stools either, right? Or the lounge. No, the inside's not open at all. Yeah. It's not yeah. open to guests. But yeah. we got um, about eight tables on the sidewalk. We got three, four, yeah, about eight tables. So that helps a lot. But it's, it's just, you know, like telling people, put your mask back on. You know, you can't walk around without a mask. And, you know, trying to take care of the staff that are scared and sure. yeah it's it's different i have a an a-frame that we're putting out in front that's kind of like a you know bullet pointed this is what you're agreeing to when you come in and it's so that i'll know when they go in and also a little cya because i've told them um in the mornings when i tempt the staff i have them sign off on a piece of paper that looks like a photo release form so that they are reading what they're supposed to be doing for their own safety every day and they have acknowledged that they're complying mm -hmm. um, i have new service staff that is training and they have a concern about what happens when they have to um remind people to wear masks or kids to not convene and play and run around uh and 
that, you know, you're just going to have, or people that purposely won't wear a mask and are kind of being firm about not wanting to do so and just have to laugh it off and point to the sign and say, oh, I know it's such a pain. Put it on. Put it on. It's not us. It's the state of Cal. Whatever we have to do to remind people that to be able to be in business, we need to wear masks. Right. Well, people need to know why they're wearing. It seems to me that people are still confused. They think that them wearing a mask because they say, well, I don't care. It's not that it's not you're not doing it so that you're getting sick. You're doing it so that you're not infecting other people. So it's it does. It has zero to do with your preferences. It has everything to do with everyone else that's there. The thing is, that information is out there and they know. Yeah. They know. And they it's, know. they know. And I can't educate every single person on the whys, just yeah. the do. You know, we have people that stand in line and we have the, the pro mask Karens and the anti mask Karens. And they, <laughs> and we had somebody that yeah. yelled for 17 year old server Max, who was doing, um, you know, car deliveries curbside. And there was somebody outside, he was distanced, he was standing in the parking lot, and he was not wearing a mask, he had one, he was gonna put it on when he came up to get his food. And somebody pointed at the man and said, yelled at Max and said, are you going to serve him? He's not wearing a mask. Well, he's also on the outside of my building, he's so distanced, and I can't make him. Right. In the building, I can, and I'm not, not tough. Yeah. I'm walking. <laughs> kitchen and tell somebody what they're supposed to be doing so that I can this and we can all stay safe. Um, my biggest, um, you know, we have bussers and servers that do completely different things here and they're busing most everything that we have outside and bring, bringing very little inside, still, still using compostables, still using as little of that even as we possibly can, but keeping it safe. But the dishwasher, you know, I was doing the dishes after that photo shoot yesterday and it just blows everywhere. So yes. we have we have the mask, we have the shield, we have the plastic aprons that go over the regular aprons to be changed regularly. That's who I see is in the front lines the most so far as be, having the most exposure. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Just, um... and I, you know, we, we have always had generous PTO, uh, generous six pay, uh, holidays that people save up. And I have asked them every single week, do you want to be here? Do you feel unsafe? If you don't feel good, we will take care of you. And the staff that we've had here has been with us for years. One of our chefs has been with me for nine and a half years. One's been wow. with me for people stay because they're well cared for. So I feel like I can trust them that they're not going to try and sneak something in if they're not feeling well. I right. feel very confident about the staff that we have. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a good yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We we've lost people every couple of days. We lose somebody um, that just they're not comfortable, or they took another job, or where are they yeah. getting this other job? There's jobs <laughs> out there. There's jobs. I mean, honestly, please. There was like a there was like a four week period where it was like the golden time for me, where our vendors started to treat us nicely. And our staff knew that they might not have a job next week. And it was glorious. Because <laughs> I know, it's, it's pretty funny. You sure you don't want me to sweep the back before I leave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because literally it just flipped. Because six, eight months ago, it was like you couldn't really even, you know, counsel a staff member without worry, you know, them going, well, screw you. I'm going to go get a new job. Cross the street. And, and now yeah. it's like, no, you know, you want to be here. You need to do what you need to do. Well, and I've talked, you're right. It is difficult to manage staff when they say, forget this. I can just go to the other crappy job across the street. Exactly. Yeah. I've also talked to some restaurant owners in town where it's time for them to hire back and people are on unemployment. And they have offered them their positions back and they say, mm, I don't feel safe or they don't respond at all because they kind of overshot that unemployment and they're, they're reluctant to come back. Now, there's two ways to look at that. One is if you like a job, when your unemployment runs out, you better come to work because we won't be here without staff. The other way you can look at it is it's important to have unemployment that is high enough so that if people don't feel well, they can stay at home and not be pressured to go back to work. That's very important in a place like California and in the Bay Area where it's so expensive to live here. So I see both sides of it, um, but our economy is, just took a big hit and 
second and third waves, none of us have the money to do it. And all of the money has been doled out, some of it inappropriately. And so there isn't a second round of that really. There's not infinite rounds of bailouts. Right. Did you so, get a PPP loan? I did get a PPP loan. And it's seemingly much smaller than other people's that have similar size <laughs> businesses. Um, but it's okay. You know, what that PPP did for us was not put us in a fantastic position, but it allowed us, it didn't, it didn't replace the lost revenue for the summer that replaces the lost revenue in our last winter, right? So we're not going to be even Stevens when it's over, but what it allowed us to do is it bought us a couple of more months and it allowed us to finish nailing in the last nails of this back patio so that we can open and do the best that we can uh, under the circumstances. Yeah, that's great. Well, definitely it helps since they eased up some of the requirements um, you know, as far as what you can use the money for and, and the timing. So that's been amazing. Yeah, for us, I mean, it was based on eight weeks of payroll last year and we went through it within the 10 weeks. So we're done with that. Okay. Uh, we did not, we did not have enough to drag it out. Um, so we're, we're done and we okay. did, it's, it is forgiven, um, but it's, it's already allocated. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, we weren't, we were doing nothing. We got that money. We weren't really doing anything except for Cafe to Go. And it was like, why are you making us spend all this money when we have no business happening? Sure. So I'm going to have was, people at truck yeah. sitting there. No one's getting food. Just exactly. To, and the idea is, I guess, that you're keeping people employed and it's not coming out of unemployment and that they'll have a job to come back to. But yeah, there's a lot of wasted resources out there for sure. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I know. I don't know. It's scary times. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Either. yeah. Let's, let's not try hard to think about the, um, all of these yeah. maps all over, the <laughs> all God. over the place and everywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Eight-year-olds that are turning nine on 4th of July have a lot more on their plates than we sure did when we were young. Oh, God. <clears throat> we just got a survey. My daughter goes to, um, to uh, school in Sebastopol, and we just got sent a survey the other day that we all had to take about how we felt about them going back, how do we feel about them doing distance learning, how safe did we feel they were at home as opposed to at school. Did we envision them wearing a mask in the classroom and in hallways, but not at recess, or did we envision them right. wearing masks? I mean, all these questions are going through. So it seems like they're setting us up for sort of a hybrid um, school year where it's gonna be yeah, half, I mean, half, in, half in school and half at home. Uh, maybe. I mean, what's yeah. happening, the meeting that I went to about uh, distancing our school that my daughter is at, um, there was a lot of tears because those teachers are already stretched a lot. People think that they're taking half days with the distance learning. Right. They're gonna be so pushed and shoved all day long. And basically what the school and the doctors told us is, we are hoping to get these kids in for a month just to get some camaraderie and some feeling of norm normalcy. Mm -hmm. And then they will probably have to go back to shelter in place at their house and do distance learning again we're hoping for a month and we're hoping in, in that month we can greet them, we can love them and we can retrain them on their Google Chromes and then send them back home. Yeah. You know, uh, AZ is living her life and growing up in a restaurant, which has its goods and bads. I mean, she's, she was standing over my shoulder learning the square machine the other day and she's nine years old and <laughs> she knows how to pull a mean soft serve at this point, but <laughs> He's also sitting in an office for eight hours a day in a hundred degree kitchen, largely by herself because I can't help her. I can't, I can't do anything with her. So she's sitting here for eight hours a day by herself and it's, it's terribly hard on them. Yeah. I was saying to um, some of the staff yesterday, I'm like, you know, you, your kids, when your kids, and these are young, young people, like, you know, when your kids are older and they're in school, this whole pandemic's going to be in your school books. Yeah. I mean, this is like stuff that there's going to be case studies and it, it, it,
it's going to become the history. I have a feeling it's going to be part Spanish flu, part Y2K in the right. history. Exactly. Like yep. a serious deal, and also people went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, understandably. So, anyway, well, when are you open? Are you open every day? July 6th, we open the patio um, at 11 a.m. We're open 11 to 2. Monday through Friday, or no, I'm sorry, 11 to 2, seven days a week, starting July 6th. Uh, right now we're open, serving lunches out the door as we speak, and then right now it's two o'clock, they're about ready to roll into dinner service. So we've been open, but starting the 6th, people can come in, go to the back, uh, order their lunch at their table. We have beer, wine, uh, floats, lunches, and then of course, as always, the dinner's out the door Monday through Thursday. And, and what, still doing some catering? I mean, at some request, but you know, remember when they said that it was required to serve food? Uh, you do know because you went to BR Cone. Well, BR Cone was a contract of ours that we had doing their tasting menus and their and their deli case. And the thing is, you know, we got some requests from some local wineries to roll out these box lunches and these programs. And I thought, you know what? In a week, they're going to drop this. Yeah. Things are so fast. Yeah. So um, I've had a couple of requests for some platters and boards. Um, we'll see. I yeah. might have better luck having it be worth it financially to book my own tables out on the weekends at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. I'm gonna forward this thing I got, this email I got to you today. It was really interesting, similar to what you're talking about as far as letting other people use the space. I thought they did a good job of how they broke stuff down and great. charging and things like that. So I'll send that to you today. Okay, great. Yeah. And Lauren, what did you do with all the Pyrex? <laughs> so I sold it out to friends and family. And I'm not even kidding you, our old operations manager, she hasn't worked for us for five years. She was just going through her house and she said, oh, by the way, I have all of this if you'd like some. And I looked, she <laughs> sent me a picture and there it was with the blue lids, the glass pirates. Yeah. Oh, it again. Wow. So I, I used to have a meal delivery service called My Organic Chef and that's the same dishes that I would use. And so our, my cupboard downstairs is, is full of these dishes. And I used to get them at the, there's an outlet stores like in San Jose or something that I used to go pick them up at. But I love them. I absolutely love them. They've got the little pop top if you put something oh, that's God, warm. Never, yeah. never want to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. We had some great clients though. I mean, one of our clients was Steve Young from the 49ers and I had just had Maisie and I pulled up in our old Toyota Sienna that we still use for city drops. And he, I, here I am with all of his food and a baby in the back because that's what you do. And she had messed yeah. her dog. And I'm driving around in the van and Steve gets in and he pulls her out of her car seat, takes her in and changes her diaper uh -huh. in the food. But it was very, you know, out of the back of your car. Yep. Yeah. 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 I used to take Abby with me on deliveries when she was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let me, can I just read one, number one, let me tell you that my mom is planning on coming to see you guys next week. She had no idea that your business existed. She lives oh. in, in Novato, but she comes up to, I live in Runner Park. Okay. So she says she's, she's going to go hit you up next week. She was excited to learn that there was a place she could go pick up meals. Um, but I was, I was looking at this week and I, I just want to read this one. This is Friday, July 3rd. Marinated chicken with charred onion, white barbecue sauce, and Texas barbecue sauce blistered padrone peppers, blueberry slaw with kale and honey cilantro dressing, caramelized onion and backstrap baked beans, watermelon wedges and Rocky Road chocolate chewy cookies. Are you freaking kidding me? Um, <laughs> you know, we've been doing the Friday pickups and, and they go well enough. And what we base most of those on are what we were doing during the summer for drop-off catering menus. So some of those are menus are close to heart. That one in particular is close to heart because Actually, that charred white barbecue sauce came off the menu that we did for Mission Street Food. So that one in particular is special to me. Yeah. Very cool. So what is your website for people? Our website is uh, deliciousdishsf, as in San Francisco.com. 
Uh, there's a tab up there for our lunch menu. Right now it's been changed weekly, but it'll be the same menu for the whole summer. Our dinner menu changes weekly, and that is on the website 200 Dinner Tabs. We've got a catering tab for any drop-off catering platters and boards. And our order line uh, for lunches and dinners is 707-721-4231. We suggest that people order dinner as soon as they see a menu that they'd like to because we do sell out. Uh, but they can order for pickup for lunches at any time. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Very cool. Lauren, God, it's so fun to hear your story. Wow. It's nice to, um, to talk to people in wow. the industry, find out what's yeah. going on. Yeah. When you're, yeah. I know the time, you sometimes miss that. So it's good to be face to face as much as we can. And I appreciate you having me. Yeah. The, um, I mean, we use, we tried to do a restaurant group a couple different times over the years and we would have one or two meetings. Mm -hmm. I did go to one right before this happened. Yeah. And we talked about, uh, well, fire season that we're about to hit. Exactly. Exactly. We have a full yeah. refrigerator, a reach-in that's tarped in the backyard. And, mm -hmm. our, and Aaron Brumley said, well, what's that for? And I said, oh, well, don't you know, that's our power outage fridge. <laughs> we need to roll it in when the power outages come. And we, we have a refrigerator that we plug it in. And we've got construction lights. And then we have headlamps and we work on the gas stoves. Oh, yeah. I know, isn't that amazing that we've, we've, you know, since 17, we've sort of figured this shit out. At, oh, the, yeah. at the Fairmont, they've got the generators that are strategically placed everywhere because yep. they're just waiting for that moment to turn them on. Well, and, they, yeah. we started our business in 2008 when the economy tanked. We have always been one step forward, two steps back, and we keep clawing our way towards some kind of a finish line. I don't know what that will be or when that will be, um, but we hope to still be around in the future. Yeah. Oh, I think with your attitude, you will be. And with that food. Uh, yeah. Hope so. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was very fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Sorry. Thank, thank you. Running around, trying to get it going, finding out which computers have light, uh, cameras on them. <laughs> 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 I'm glad we got to see your face. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. All right, you guys, if you want to listen to some of the past episodes of The Bite Goes On, check out some of our previous guests. You can go to thebitegoeson.com. You can hit us up on all the podcast buttons. We're on everything. Yeah. Uh, Apple, iTunes, Pandora, Spotify. Himalaya. Everyone. Himalaya. That's Sandra's favorite. And iHeartRadio sent me an email today to tell me there was a new episode of The Bike Goes On. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've noticed that for the winemakers as well. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. Well, go see Lauren at Delicious Dish SF. You can also... You can also go see Sondra now. She's actually open at the Girl in the Fig. And if you want to come see me starting uh, by the time this show comes out, I'll be back at uh, Winery 16600 um, doing something with, uh, with the guys and, and the gals at the uh, winery. So thanks for listening. We will look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for having me.